0: Hey Velocity, welcome to today's podcast. We're so excited to hear how your life has changed by Velocity Church. And if your life has been impacted, feel free to send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Well, Godspeed, it's kind of a strange word. It's not a, it's not a everyday word we use in our vocabulary, unless maybe you're British, I don't know. And maybe British people, it's kind of a strange word. And maybe, maybe you've heard that word before. Maybe it's, uh, may, probably hasn't come up in everyday conversation. Maybe you've read it in a book or, or heard it in a movie. Maybe somebody said it to you, somebody who's British, I don't know, uh, said it to you. But, but the, the word "Godspeed." if you don't know what it means, Merriam-Webster defines it this way, as a prosperous journey. Doesn't that sound- How many of you would like to go on a prosperous journey with me? Like, I'm down for what, if it's a prosperous journey, I'm in, I'm in it. Let, let's go. Let's, let's see what this is about. But uh, it's actually an old English word, and uh, it's a compound word. It comes from two words, God and speed. Well, God is obvious. We know who that's talking about. Speed, though, the, the old English word for speed, long before it was ever used to define the rate at which we travel, uh, su- speed had a very different meaning. Speed would mean to succeed, would mean to prosper, to increase, to to grow, to advance, and so this word "Godspeed" when it used to be used, like oh, 15th century, something like that, uh, they'd usually use it as a pronouncement of blessing on people before they travel on a journey. They'd, they'd say, "Hey, before you go, God's best to you. You know, God's favor be upon you. I, I want you to have God's success on this trip." You know, may God help you increase. May, may, may God help you to advance. I want this to, to be prosperous with God. It's a way of saying God's best. And so I want us to keep that in mind as we set out on this journey together over these next six weeks, this journey towards God's best. And to kick us off, we're going to move in this direction by looking at a few different scriptures. Now, if this is your first time here, generally when I preach... I will just take one passage and we'll kind of break it out and we'll go through it. I want to do things a little bit differently today. I want to give you a few different scriptures to frame this up. And then I'm I'm going to illustrate the rest of the sermon with a story that's found in the Old Testament. But to kick us off today, I want to look at a very famous passage of scripture. This is the golden child verse of the Christian world. This is the verse that you find on... Bookmarks. This is the verse that people uh, do in calligraphy and hang up in their house. This is the verse that, like, even if you don't know much about the Bible, most people know this verse. And it's a good verse, so I want to look at it together. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And I want us to read it together. I'll put it on the screen for you. It says this. For I know the plans I have for you. Okay, I said read it together. You guys are listening, right? Let's try this again. Well, on the count of three. One, two, three. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Man, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like God has good things in mind for you? Doesn't it sound like God desires good things, desires progress for your life? Doesn't it sound like that? Now, the truth is, most of us have a hard time receiving that. It's jarring to our thinking, and the reason is because we're well acquainted with the pain and the struggle and the hardship and the lack in our life. And even if our life is relatively good, what well, we know about all the suffering in the world and all the things that happen that are not God's best, and it's really hard for us to wrap our brain around the fact that God would say something like, I have good plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I I gotta frame this up a little bit because understand, if this is your first time here, I mean, you've probably never heard me preach before. You don't know where I'm going with this. And man, I understand like not everything bad that happens in your life. I don't think that that that's the devil in your life. Like I did a whole series called Joy Switch about, about pain and finding the purpose in your pain and finding the strength in your struggle, and flipping the switch to, to find some joy in your trouble. You remember that one? And we talked about we, we talked about uh, just this, this past series, Wake the Dead, how, man, there are some things that I just don't understand in the Bible. How, how God can give a promise, and it dies, and then he resurrects it, and God, why did you even make this person go through it? I, I'm not saying that God's best, you'll never experience hardship or struggle, but I just want you to wrap your, your head around the fact, to get this to get sight of this, that God's plans for you are to prosper you, not to harm you. God's plans for you are good. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a future. And this isn't like one isolated verse. Like like it is. It is interesting to note that actually in the context of this verse, uh, the nation of Israel, they're in captivity. They're not experiencing God's best in this moment, which would be why he would give them this promise because you don't need a promise if you're living it out. So, so even within this context, they're not experiencing God's best, but this isn't like a one-off scripture. This is all throughout scripture. In fact, this is the essence of the gospel message. John 3:16. What, what does it say? For God so loved the world, so he cares about you. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the one and only, valuable, his precious son. Why? so that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish. You guys do know John three sixteen, right? Just checking. But have everlasting life. So in other words, he cares so much about you. He loves you so much that he, he worked a plan so that you wouldn't perish, but so that you could have a life and a relationship with him and have eternal life and experience all that that means. I'm just trying to get you to see that that God's best for you, his plan for you, is that you would advance, is that you would move forward, is that you would increase. And you don't have to have this all figured out. I just want you to, I'm just setting this up for you today. I want you to see that, that this is God's speed. He wants to move you toward his best. He wants to move you from the place where you're at to the place where he's called you to be, hashtag growth track somebody, right? That, that, that's what he wants. He wants to move you towards his best. And uh, I'm not going to preach to you today. I, I'm, I'm not going to you know, yell at you and come out there and get all. I'm, I, I want to teach today. That's why I, I wore my professor outfit. All right? So I want to teach today. And I, I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, gaining ground. I believe this is what God wants for your life. He wants you to gain ground, to move forward. It's a lot better than losing ground. It's a lot better than maintaining ground. Because really the truth is if you maintain ground, you end up losing ground anyway. He wants you to gain ground. And I want to pray, I want to invite God in to help us and then uh, we're going to get into his word. Would you pray with me? Bow your head. God, we thank you so much for your word and for your truth. God, we need your help today. I need your help. And Lord, I'm asking that you'll use me today, that you'll breathe on this message, that you'll help me communicate it in a way that's clear, that's easy to receive and just help people understand. God, my prayer is that that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to receive and a, a heart to understand, God, the things that you have for us and the things that are in your word. I believe it. And everybody else who agrees with that can say amen. How many of you know that every journey begins with a step? right? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, every journey begins with a step, all right? And in this journey that we're going on together, this journey towards God's best, I, I want to talk to you about the first step that we have to take. And the first step that we need to take today, sorry, I can't read my notes here a second. This might help. I'm trying to see this here. Oh, yeah. It's vision. I want to talk to you about vision. What do you guys think? You like it? Can I rock it or not? Can I rock it or not? Hey, I just want you to know these are prescription. I wouldn't be up here with fake glasses, all right? I wouldn't even start that. These are real. Some of you didn't even know I wore glasses, but you know, I guess the truth is I don't. I usually wear contacts. Uh, but, but a few weeks ago, I, uh, I injured my eye and the doctor told me that I couldn't wear contacts for a couple weeks. And uh, truthfully, my vision's not that bad, and I, I can handle it. I mean, I can... Mac, did you grow your hair out? I just... All right. It's not that bad. I mean, I can see without, without my glasses. But uh, I thought, you know, I'd just use... I haven't had glasses for years. I'll just use this as an opportunity to, you know, go grab some and, and just, just rock something and just try it for a little bit. So I, uh, you know, I, I couldn't... There's only a couple weeks, so I couldn't, like, just order them online. So I... I I Googled one of those uh, like hour lens places and uh, and it came up and so so I thought hey I'm gonna I'm just gonna go grab some and just just try it out so so uh, I went and it, it took me to I, I, like I had a busy day full day I had like a limited amount of time to do this and it took me to a mall I didn't even know malls still existed I thought Amazon had put all of them out of business and so I went to this mall never been there before. And I was like, "This is a stupid idea. I've never been this place. I can't see, so I have no idea where I'm going. I'm trying to find this place. I've got a limited amount of time, and I, and I was kind of like walking and kind of looking around and and like just trying. I, I just I couldn't find where I was going. So i was like, you know, this is dumb. I need to just ask somebody for directions. So I asked this guy, and he's like, "Yeah, hey, you just you know you're going to go uh, down this cross section here. You're going to take a left. You're going to go past the food court, and then you'll find the place on your right." And what was amazing to me is as soon as he gave me the destination, as soon as he told me where I needed to go, it was amazing how fast I started walking. I didn't get distracted like with all the other stuff going on. You know, I didn't like you know go meander over by Cinnabon. I didn't go check out, you know, finish line and see what shoes. I just I knew where I was going, I was on a mission, and I set out for that. Now, this same principle whether you're talking about my journey with glasses or going back to our theme of Godspeed, when you set out on a journey, when you know where you're going, when you have a destination, it's so much easier to move faster and move forward. Have you ever thought about that? Like without a destination in mind, without a direction, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't have that, it's hard for you to measure your progress if you haven't nailed down your destination. That's what makes Jeremiah 29:11 interesting to me is because when you read it in the King James Version, it says it a little bit differently. I want to read it to you. It says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. In other words, You might not know every every twist and turn on the path of God's plan for you. But one thing you can know and one thing you can expect is the destination that you're headed. And I want to help you take a step today towards God's best. I want to help you take a step to the place that he's called you to. And the first step is having a vision, a clear vision for where God wants to take you. And as we talk about this principle today, I want you to know this principle, this applies to every area of your life. When you're talking about God's best, this applies to your relationships. You wanna have God's best in your relationship, you you need to know what his plan is, where he wants to take you. You wanna have God's best in in your career, in your work, in your calling, you you need to know where he wants to take you. You wanna have God's best in your family, You, you need to know what his plan, where he wants to take you But as we're looking at this today, I want you to think about it in this context. I want you to think about this in terms of your money. I want you to think about it in terms of your finances. Because the money in your pocket, the money in your bank account, the money in your purse, the money in your wallet, the the money that you don't have, that money is, is moving somewhere. And... If you don't have a direction, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a destination for where that money should go, it's going to go just about everywhere except where you want it to. If you don't have a direction, if you don't have a plan for your money to, if you don't have a vision for your money to follow, it's going to go everywhere but where you want it to. And if you're wondering why you might be experiencing less than God's best in this area, maybe it's because you don't have a vision. It's interesting uh, in Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 29, 18, uh, scripture says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, maybe perishing seems like a strong word. Maybe you wouldn't define your situation as perishing. You wouldn't describe it like that. But another translation of the same verse puts it this way. I'll read it to you. It says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. See, when you don't have a plan, when you don't have a vision, you don't have a goal, you also cast off restraint. In other words, you spend your money impulsively and spontaneously and, and money that could go towards a vision that God has for you, the, the vision that he has for life, his best for you, money that could go towards that vision ends up going towards instant gratification. Ends up going towards Cinnabon. And towards shoes and Krispy Kreme donuts. And I, was, I don't know why two of those were food and one. I'm not trying to talk about myself. I'm just saying that <laughs> when you don't have a vision, your money goes everywhere except where you want it to go. And I mean, this is true no matter what age you are. You can be here, you can be a teenager without a job, and the moment you get some money, your brain immediately goes to sneakers. For that matter, you could be a pastor with some gift cards in your hand, and your brain immediately goes to sneakers. I don't know what it, like it doesn't matter what area, what stage you are in life, if you don't have a vision for where it's supposed to go, your money's not moving you forward, but it is going somewhere. So we need a vision. And what I'm trying to get you to see today, help you understand, is that God's best is not for you to be poor. Now I want you to hear me on this, all right? I did not become a late night televangelist, Uh, This series is not about sow a thousand dollar seed and you're going to get a miracle harvest, you know, in your life. And for a love offering of ninety nine dollars, I'm going to send you a little vial of oil that I prayed over. And that's that's not my thing. All right. That's not what I'm talking about. But I do want you to get a vision for God's best. And God's best for you is not poverty and lack. God's best for you is not to be poor. And some of you, like, your heart is towards the poor. You wanna help the poor. Can I just tell you, like, one of the best things you can do if you wanna help the poor? Is to not be poor, right? I mean, just to, just to start there. So I'm just trying to help you have a vision for prosperity, increase, for what God wants. God's plans are always to move you forward. God's plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future. That's God's best. That's God's speed. And for the rest of my time, I I wanna illustrate this for you through a journey that God took his people on. Now, the reason I'm calling this Gaining Ground is because this journey that God took his people on, he wanted to take them into what he said is an exceedingly good and spacious land. He's saying, "Hey, where you're at right now is not my best for you, and where I want to take you is an exceedingly good and spacious land." It's, I, I want you to gain ground in your life. I want you to gain ground with your resource and with your finances. And the story we're going to look look at a story of Israel who was in slavery for 400 years. Now, a lot of the Old Testament is about this story, and. Within this story, there's three different stages that we find the nation of Israel on their way to the land that God wanted to take them into. And the first place we find them is Egypt. Egypt is where they were when God says, I want something better for you. Hey, where you're at is not my best. I've seen where you're at, and I want something better for you. They'd been there for 400 years, They'd been there a long time. And while they were there, God says, I, I have better plans for you. And what you got to understand is Egypt is the land of not enough. Egypt is the land of not enough. It's, it's the land where you live in poverty. It's the land where you live in lack, scarcity. That's your condition. Now when a lot of us think of poverty, we think of developing nations, we think of other parts in the world, and that's true. But I can just tell you, man, there's poverty even in our own city. There's poverty even with some of our own neighbors. And when I'm talking about Egypt, I'm not just talking about an income level. I'm talking about bondage, the bondage that people are in from being in debt. There's another proverb that says the borrower is slave to the lender. Think about it. Egypt's a land of bondage, a land where there's no freedom, where your actions are dictated by what you don't have, by what you can't do. And as long as you're in Egypt, you're in slavery. Now, people who are in Egypt are there for different reasons. Some people are born there. Some people end up there. But one thing is sure, and one thing is clear, that it's not God's plan for anybody to stay there. So in this story, what happens is God appears to a man named Moses, and he says, hey, Moses, I want you to bring a vision to my people of something better. And we see this in Exodus chapter 3. This is what God says. He says, go and gather the elders of Israel. He says, gather them together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. In other words, saying, look, my eyes have been on you while you've been in this land of not enough, and I promise you, that's what he says, "I, I promise you that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites. Now, what's he doing here? He's He's imparting vision. He's painting a picture. He's he's giving hope. He he says, I promise you, and he follows it up with hope. He says, A land flowing with milk and honey. He he says, Imagine this with me. Trying to paint a a, a land gushing forth with provision. A land gushing forth, flowing. it's, It's dripping off the vine. Picture this. He's saying, I want to take you to a land where there's more than enough, a land where you have all that you need and more. God is giving them a vision of what's possible. Now, this is true wherever you're at, whether you're experiencing lack in your relationships, whether you're experiencing lack in your, in your family, uh, you have a shortage of work, you, you have a shortage of time, of resource. Shortage financially. God knew that the starting place was to get them to imagine what was possible. So I mean, just like picture this. He tells this to Moses, and Moses goes. He gathers up all the elders of Israel, and he says, "Hey, this is what God told me. God's going to take you to this place." And they're like, "Are you serious? Are you for real right now? No more slavery. No more bondage." You mean I don't have to live like this. No more not enough. No no more chains. And it all started with a vision. Because without vision, people perish. They had been perishing for 400 years. And now they get this vision. They start getting excited. And hope starts rising up within them. They, They start believing what is possible and what God could do. And see, the only reason people stay in a land of not enough is because they lose hope that they could ever go to a better place. The reason people stay in bondage and stay in lack and, and stay in this place of not enough is because they lose hope that there could ever be a better place. Man, if only I had thought ahead and done a series about getting your hopes up and believing in God that he can work mer- that would have been really helpful when I went in to do this series to, Save me a lot of legwork, but I'm just telling you that start thinking about it, start believing for it. It all started with vision. And I know, you know what? There's probably a number of you here, you're not in Egypt right now. Where you're at, you wouldn't define it as being in bondage. But can I tell you, you still need to get a vision for God's best? You still need to get a vision for what God wants to do in your life? You need to get a vision for some irrational generosity. Man, what would it look like for if, if, if you started living in such a way where, where you gave 20% of your income away, or 30% or 40 or 50%? Are you crazy 50%? Nobody does that. I'm telling you, I'm gonna be there one day. But it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen if you don't have a vision. You gotta start somewhere you got to have a vision of what's possible, what God can do in your life. So it started with a vision. And the next place they go is the wilderness. They're in Egypt. They, they, They leave Egypt. And there's a whole story about how God brings them out of Egypt. And it's a great story, and you can read it on your own. But the short of it is he brings them out of bondage, out of Egypt. And the next place they go is a place called the wilderness. And the wilderness, here's what I want you to know about it. The wilderness is a place they had to go through to get to Canaan. In order to get to the place that God wanted them to be, they had to go through the wilderness. See, you can never get to that place of God's best without going through the wilderness. Now, what is the wilderness? The wilderness is the place. The wilderness is the land of just enough. It's the land of just enough. Now, the reason we call it the land of just enough is because every morning when they would get up, God supernaturally provided for them manna. But he didn't provide for them two days' worth of manna. He didn't provide for them three days' worth of manna. He didn't provide for them a week's worth of manna. He only provided for them one day's provision of manna. And there's a couple reasons why he did this. Now, the a couple reasons why he wanted them to have just enough to sustain them. First reason is he wanted them to work for it. They've been in a land of bondage where the reason they've been working is because they've had whips at their back. Now he's saying, hey, I'm gonna provide you with some opportunities, and these opportunities are how you're gonna take care of yourself. He wants them to work for it. Doesn't want them to sit around and grow fat and lazy. He wants them to work for it. But the second thing is he wants them to learn to trust him. But see, (laughs) They were in this place. They, they, they didn't want to do these two things. The, the first time he provides for them, you know what they do? They try and gather up as much as they can for two reasons. Because they wanted to sleep in the next day, not work for it. And they didn't know if they were going to see this again. They, they, they didn't know if God was going to provide. And so they're in this place of, of trying to gather it all up. And you know what happens is it spoils. Everything they gathered didn't last because he's saying, look, I want you to get up. I want you to use your mind. I want you to use your hands. I want you to to put him to work with these opportunities that I provided for. And I want you to trust me. Trust that I'm your source. Trust that I'm the one. It's this principle of work and trust. He says, look, I'm going to provide for you. And I'm going to take you to this land I've told you about. Hold on to this vision. But in order for me to do the things that I want to do for you, in order for me to do the things that I want to do through you, it's never going to happen if you don't learn to work and to trust. Right. A- a- every miracle. I mean, and this was supernatural provision. I mean, this is, this is God raining down man from heaven. This is awesome. But they still had to participate. They still had to, to work. Sometimes I think we miss God's provision and God's opportunity because we don't realize that lots of times his blessing looks like work. That's how it shows up. So he says, look, I want you to be able to trust me. And in some ways, like, the wilderness is tougher than Egypt. In some ways. Because even when they were in Egypt, even when they were in bondage, like, they had government assistance they could depend on that. And when you start stepping out and branching out for God's best, there, there comes a point where you don't qualify for government subsidy anymore. And you don't know where your next meal's coming from. And the problem with with the wilderness is you never thrive in the wilderness. You just survive. You just survive. And what happens is when we're in the wilderness, it gets easy. We start wanting to grumble and complain. We get a bad attitude about it. I don't want to be here. I don't like this. This is tough. You start despising what, other people have, and you're looking at what you have, and, and they, they did the same thing. Now there's nothing wrong with being discontent, but how you respond is so important. How you respond matters because your discontentment can sometimes motivate you to move forward, or it can keep you in that place. Look at what happens. Numbers 14:2, it says, "All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and said to them, "If only we died in Egypt or in the wilderness." In other words, man, I wish we could have stayed back there. But that's slavery. Yeah, but, I mean, at least I knew, at least it was predictable. Yeah, but that's bondage. Yeah, but at least I knew where my next meal is. I don't know what the future holds for me here. And so they start grumbling, they start complaining. You think, why does this even matter, pastor? Because your, your attitude and your, the way you view your wilderness determines how long you stay there. Now, what people don't realize about this whole uh, Exodus story It's where you can read about it. It's in the book called Exodus. What people don't realize is that the wilderness, they were there for 40 years, but that was never God's plan. It was an 11-day journey from Egypt to Canaan, but they were there 40 years. Why? Because they grumbled and complained. They they, they, they thought that they should already be there. They thought they shouldn't have to live up. Now, how does this work in our life? we grow discontent in our wilderness period. So so we, we put down the plastic, we hand over the credit card, we sign papers for things we can't afford, and we turn a wilderness season into a lifetime because we're discontent. We think we should have something that we're not ready for. Man, can I tell you, I remember when my wife and I started out We started out just like everybody starts out. We were broke. We had nothing. I guess, not really true. we didn't have nothing. We had $30,000 in student loans. Now, I say we. Those were hers. That's what she brought into the marriage. I put myself through school. But but we had $30,000. And I remember being married. Man, and our friends, they were buying houses. And they were buying new cars and we were renting a two bedroom apartment and we had old beater cars, but you know what? That's where we were. We had no business trying to be someplace else. We knew that in this season, this wilderness season, God has called us to be content and to be happy and to be thankful. And you know what? It's not a nice car, but it's paid for. That, and I hope you hear, like, if that's where you're, if you are living within your means, you ought to walk out of here saying, bless God, I am on my way to something better. There's no shame in that. There, there's no shame in just living where you're at and living within your means. But when you grow discontent, you put yourself into a place where you turn your wilderness season into a lifetime. Well, there's a third one we've got to get to. And that's Canaan. It's the final stage, Canaan. Canaan is the land of more than enough. And God wants Canaan for all of us. Can I just tell you that? God wants Canaan for all of us. He doesn't want you to, to stay there. As some Christian are like, oh, I don't know. Like there's there's plenty of people that you know don't don't have very much, so why should I? Because God wants it for you. He wants it for you. Doesn't want anybody to live in Egypt. Doesn't want anybody to live in the wilderness. And I want you to get a vision for that today. Look, I'm not here to pressure anybody. Uh, I'm not trying to, to make you feel guilty about where you're at. All I'm trying to do is I want you to believe. I want you to see God has more for you. I want you to get a vision for where your life could be. Again, in in any area, your relationships, your career and your calling, there's some things that God wants you to do. I want you to get a vision for where that is, where that might be. And it only happens when you take a step. It only happens when you take a step. And so I want you to take a step today. And I want this sermon to be so incredibly practical for you. This is gonna be for everybody. Habakkuk chapter two has a great uh, message on vision. It says, write the vision Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. In other words, if you don't have a clear vision, if it's not plain, if it's not simple, you're not gonna be able to follow it. You're not gonna be able to move toward it. And so this week, I want you to write down God's vision for your finances. What does that look like? Maybe for some of you, it's to put God first in every area. You haven't been doing that and you want to. Maybe for some of you it's to live debt-free. You've, you've gotten into this place where you've taken on debt and you've bought things that you can't afford. And I just want you to get a vision that you can live that way. Maybe it's to have a surplus to give. You're living paycheck to paycheck, you're, you're paying your bills, but. There, you know there's things God's put in your heart to do, to go on mission trips, to give more, to meet needs. You have a generous heart, but you feel like you don't have the resources. Maybe it's just to get a surplus of that. Maybe it's to have a college fund for your kids or, or to be able to leave an inheritance. Your parents weren't able to do that for you, but you wanna be able to do that. Maybe it's to increase your giving percentage annually, to, to be faithful and to grow that and to see what God can do over a lifetime of generosity. What I'm trying to say is not all of our vision has to look the same, but it is about having a vision and clarifying the vision that God puts in our own lives. So I just want to remind, you, there is a promised land. We got to take a step. But you got to move towards it. And that's what we're going to do in this year. We're going to see how to move towards God's best. But it starts with a step man, these decisions matter because what you do today makes a difference for tomorrow. And the decision that you make today can affect the generations that come after you.